Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we're going to learn about a new powerlifting competition right here in Winnipeg, taking some of the best powerlifters in our province and putting them on the big stage. We'll hear from the competition director coming up. Also, we'll hear from Vaughn Mitchell, longtime Manitoba Bison's football assistant coach and the volunteer coach of the year in youth sports football. That's all coming up on the podcast. Uh, we now welcome in, I think, just the second in-studio guest I've had since I returned to the studio a year ago. Mark Arndt of Tennis Manitoba was the first. Curtis Tolaire is the second guest that we've had in the studio, and he is the competition director for Keystone 2024. Welcome into the studio, Curtis. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So, first of all, tell us about Keystone 2024 and, and where the idea to have a new powerlifting competition came from. So... This competition is kind of one of its kind in Canada, really. And we wanted to almost be the first province to do it. Uh, this competition has been done before on the world level. It's kind of the first of its kind in the sense that we're trying to raise money and give away money for the lifters that compete. So they can just make it more than just a hobby for them and make it easier for them to go to a higher level of competition. And so how do you make that happen? <laughs> Lots of behind-the-scenes work. Uh, me and my co-director of the competition, Tommy Howell, have been doing lots of meetings and things behind the scenes like after our work to make this happen. Um, we're trying to raise money for this event for like through fundraising, ticket sales, merch, things like that. And ideally, it's going to be a good show. So how many people are already committed to taking part in this, do you know? Because it's in February of next year, so you have some couple months still to to get ready for this, but do you have people that have already said they want to do this? Yeah, so in terms of athletes, it's kind of invite only. We're trying to get our highest competitive athletes to compete in this competition. Um, So we're actually taking our lifter from uh, the provincial championships that were held earlier uh, this year, those lifters that performed very well, there are invited to this like one-of-a-kind meet okay so that was back in the summer right correct yeah okay so you're getting the best of the best in this province on display correct and then in the sport they kind of compete within their weight classes but now we're getting these athletes to not only compete against themselves but against other people and like the other weight classes at a one in an opportunity kind of event As a refresher for those that may not be familiar with powerlifting, what are the things you lift in powerlifting? So powerlifting, it's lifting weight. Um, There's going to be three disciplines. We have the squat, we have the bench press, and we have the deadlift. The most weight lifted with all of those three lifts added together is going to give you a total, and then the person with the highest total wins the event for their respective weight class. Okay, so we're talking like the basic benchmark lifts of, if you go to a gym, the the quote-unquote most simple movements, but kind of the more core brute strength movements, right? Absolutely. It's like basics at a high level. We got guys like lifting very, very, very heavy weight and girls respective to their weight. Yeah, this, it, you're doing men and women, right? Correct, yeah. We're going to have the 10 female, 10 male, the top, like the best of the best in Manitoba to showcase their strength. And this is an Olympics discipline. 
powerlifting, right? Not quite. Olympic weightlifting is in the Olympics, and powerlifting is close to getting okay. into the Olympics. So what's the difference between weightlifting and powerlifting? Then? So with Olympic weightlifting, you have the snatch right. and the clean and jerk. And then for powerlifting, it's more basic. You have the squat, bench press, and deadlift. Got it. Okay. And so w- give. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I don't know. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but the best of the best in our province, what kind of weight are we talking about? So for example, I actually have a, an athlete that I coach. Her name's Christine Palapus. Um, she weighs 114 pounds and she's okay, so half my weight. Yeah. And she, uh, she's squatting 305 pounds. Wow. So like almost triple body weight. We have guys that are deadlifting close to 800 pounds. And we have some individuals that are benching close to 400. It's like, wow, really strong people. That's impressive. And so how much you, you mentioned you want to make it so that players or the, the athletes can, can make somewhat of a living off it, but how much training goes into being one of the best power lifters in Manitoba? I would say these athletes are training anywhere from four to six days a week, and they're probably putting in two to three hours of workout sessions. So I would say there is quite a a lot of time put into these workouts. And not only that, they're making sure that their sleep's good, their nutrition's good, they're stretching, their recovery. It's their whole life, right? Yeah, to a point, it's a, it's one of their hobbies at a high level. And then even after that, they're getting their massage therapy, athletic therapy in check to make sure their bodies are 100% firing correctly. And it's a lot of effort put into it from the athlete side as well, for sure. Now, have you engaged in the sports yourself as someone who ended up as a competition director i'm sure you have a a history with it yeah so i was an active athlete between the years of 2013 and 2019 um i personally represented manitoba at the national level four years in a row uh 2014 or yeah 2015 through 2018 and uh yeah so i kind of transitioned out of the athlete side of things and became more of a coach and trying to do more in the sports and this is where I got involved with Keystone. Is it generally a younger person's sport or is it all ages can take part in this? It's all ages. Um, Actually we just had an athlete um, on the news CTV recently, um, Gail Ann. She was a master's athlete. She's in her 60s, and she actually won the world title Awesome for powerlifting, and she's from Manitoba, and she only got into powerlifting a few years ago. So I would say this is a sport for all ages, young, teenage, through their 20s, up until you're in their retirement home. Even. However old, there's yeah. No, there's no age limit. I'm curious about the training for powerlifting. It is three disciplines, are you just doing those three things all the time or are you doing other movements to make yourself better at these movements? I would say it's a mix of both. Um, in the off season, you're kind of doing more working on your weaknesses and doing different things outside of those three main lifts. But as you're approaching a competition, I would say it gets a little bit more sport specific. Athletes are then focusing more on the big three and doing less of their accessories and kind of honing in on their skills for the big day. How would you describe the atmosphere at a competition? Atmosphere is usually really good. Um, The spectators are revving up the athletes. They're cheering. They're screaming just to get the most out of the athletes on that same day. Usually the environment, everybody's cheering on everybody. It's a really good place to be, especially with uh, 
the competitions being held at like smaller venues in terms of uh, like a gym, for example, you know, it's not a lot of open space. So that voice and those screams like carry loud through the building. You've been in the athlete's shoes before when people are screaming, how much does that give you a boost? Oh, it definitely gives you the boost It in the moments all you're all all you're thinking of is lifting that weight, and with them saying up, 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 it definitely makes you almost feel bad for not trying your hardest. And if you were to put it down before failing, uh, you you would hate yourself for that. So it's definitely good with the crowd cheering you on. And when you do hit the the lift, whether it's a a personal best weight or or still just a very impressive weight, how does that feel? Oh, it definitely feels good. Like you've prepared for this competition for months on end and to be able to showcase what you've worked on so hard for in the moment, in the day, it's, it definitely makes it all worth it. So it's February 17th of next year at the Prairie Exchange Theater. Yep. If people want more information or if they want to get involved and, and help with fundraising or sponsorship, how can they connect with you? So the best way to keep following what's going on with this event, um, you can follow our Instagram page, that is going to be Keystone 2024. And then sponsorship inquiries. Um, if you were interested in getting your business involved, showcasing your business um, throughout the event, um, you can email our email at uh, the Keystone event at gmail.com. How excited are you to get this going? Very excited, but at the same time, a little bit nervous and anxious, but I'm sure those will go away come the day of the competition when it all comes out good. Well, Curtis, appreciate you making the, the trek down to 201 Portage today for this. Thanks, and best of luck with this. Awesome. Thank you very much for having me. That's Curtis Tolaire, Competition Director for Keystone 2024. Again, Keystone 2024 on Instagram or the Keystone event at gmail.com. New sports football season wrapped up on Saturday when the Montreal Caravan took home their second Vanier Cup title with a 16-9 win over the UBC Thunderbirds in Kingston, Ontario. But before the big game, back on Thursday, eSports handed out its season-ending awards and a member of the Manitoba Bisons brought home hardware. Longtime assistant coach Vaughn Mitchell, offensive coordinator for the team, has been named the Geno Fracas Award winner, recognizing the eSports Football Volunteer Coach of the Year. The second Bisons Football Volunteer Coach to earn the award after Richard Urbanovich won in 2005. Mitchell's been volunteering with the team since 1997 when he was their offensive line coach. Now, in his day job, he's a senior advisor with the government of Manitoba in the Intergovernmental Affairs branch. But he loves his football. So today I gave Vaughn a call and started by asking him about his big win and how he found out about it. Uh, coach Dolby let me know uh, there was some travel involved, so there was some... Uh, personal planning. Uh, so I knew a little bit in advance. It wasn't that uh, I was sitting there in the uh, at the event and, and found out there. So I had some time to wrap my head around it and sort of think about what a tremendous honor it is and and uh, how many great uh, coaches that are out there that volunteer their time and, and to represent them was just a really cool thing. So I'm super proud to represent uh, the University of Manitoba and, and all of those who um, volunteer their time to to coach football at the university level. So now that you've had a little bit of time to to wrap your mind around it, after doing this for as many years as you have, what does it mean to you to receive this? Um, 
it's fulfilling for sure. I think to be in it this long, you're not in it for, you know, even trophies. Uh, you're in it because you just love the game. You love the process. Uh, to be recognized is is super rewarding. And in that you got to a certain level where people are saying that um, the work you do is impactful. So that's very meaningful. But, uh, you know, at this time, it's it's just a huge part of my life. It's part of my family's life. I love the game, and I'm just, I just, uh, I'm just so happy to be a part of it. And uh, coaching at university is a really cool thing. We get to work with amazing young men and mold them into, you know, um, great leaders, uh, great players, and uh, it's just a great mix of, you know, challenge and opportunity for me. All these years later, when you get to show up at a practice field at a game, how does that make you feel? Oh, it's it's uh, it, it, it's it's really cool. Uh, it's an honor and a and a pleasure for sure. Um, you know, so much has changed since we started this journey back in the late 1990s. Um, you're kind of a repository of history in in certain ways, and um, you know, you get to tell some interesting stories at times. You get to sort of look back and see how far the game has come, how more complex it is now than. Um, it was 10 or 15 years ago and, and to be a part of that. And hopefully that represents growth in the game and, and that, um, it, it, you know, I don't know if, if we're leading that or swept up in the undertow of change, but um, it is super cool. And um, yeah, it, it's an amazing level to coach at and uh, you get to do interesting things. It looks a lot like what we watch on TV, but at the same time, it's different, has different elements to it. Again, much more focused on growing and developing young men. And, and uh, that's a really cool part of it. So for you then, what, first of all, back in the day, drew you in to want to volunteer to help coach the Bisons? Uh, that's a great question. Uh, late in my career as a player, I felt that my mind was progressing and my interest in the game was progressing more quickly than my body could in the sense that I was limited in what I could do on the field physically it wasn't going to carry me forward to the next level, to the level of the CFL. I was uh, lucky enough to play five years at the University of Manitoba. But my curiosity around the game kept going, and I was able to sort of fulfill that, um, that you know, interest that you'd have going forward through, through coaching. So, you know, that, there, there weren't many, there aren't now many full-time positions. There were even less back then. And uh, I was going into my master's program, and it seemed to be uh, a really nice fit in that I had a lot of flexibility in my time. Um, I could do my academic studies. I could coach, and it was a good fit. I was on campus for both. So uh, it was a really good fit, and it's remained a great fit in my life uh, ever since. Got involved with U of M uh, back in 1989 as a player and then uh, 97 as a coach. How much time a week do you spend volunteering with the bisons i can't tell you because i would get fired from my actual job if i <laughs> if i gave you a minute, the government's not listening on come on the, the government is listening we're always listening uh, i'll get a transcript of this on my desk tomorrow morning no i'm just kidding um it, it's a lot it's it's uh it, it's about prep that's so much of what i do is preparation so it's breaking down film of our opponents 
it's it's scripting practice. It's doing cards. It's it's working with other coaches. There's so much time. Um, basically, I'm at it from the time I arrive uh, on campus at 4:30. I go. We go to about eight or 8:30 uh, with practice and film. And then, um, you know, all weekend, probably about 14 to 16 hours on Saturdays and Sundays uh, because there's game stuff involved. There's prep of our next opponent involved. It's a morning, noon, or night thing. So it's kind of another full-time job during the season. Um, But, you know, I'm a victim of my own uh, love of the game. So that's not a complaint. It's a huge deal. Um, It's like I said, it's another full-time job, but uh, I love doing it. I'm not in it for the money, that's for sure, but I just love doing it. So when you first started coaching, understandably, you started with the offensive line. That was the position you played. Yeah. How did it transition into eventually becoming offensive coordinator? Uh, that's a great question. I was coaching with uh, Mike Watson uh, at Sturgeon Creek Collegiate, and uh, he's a defensive guy, and they needed an offensive guy. And it just was sort of thrust upon you in that, uh, you know, uh, you, you have an offensive um, basis. Let's expand it. Let's challenge you to do some stuff in uh, the pass game. Um, so the run game protections came very easy for me. Learning uh, the stuff around the quarterbacks and, and the passing game was the challenge, and I was very interested in that challenge. Um, the run game stuff, you know, we're at the high school level. We can keep it pretty basic. So all of my effort and uh, learning can go into the passing game. And it's just being curious from there. It's that wonderful speech from the Ted Lasso series. Just be curious. And I was, I've always been curious about different aspects of the game and wanting to learn and learn from the best and, and uh, have enjoyed the process of reaching out and, and finding the best practices throughout uh, football in, in North America and integrating those into what we do at the University of Manitoba. So it's just being curious and uh, wanting to expand my horizons and, uh, you know, tr- trying to learn from people that um, are really good in the field and, and knowing where I need help and asking for help, which is not my strongest point, but, uh, but yeah, that's, it's been a gradual thing. And, and like I said, the game has evolved so much that back when I got started, a lot of these things where I wasn't particularly knowledgeable in was pretty simple. Uh, and you could get up to speed pretty simply. So, um, I'd like to think I have knowledge across a, a wide range of areas in offense, but uh, I've also had the benefit of being supported by great uh, positional coaches over the years that have helped me where I haven't had perhaps uh, a strength. How long are you going to do this for? Do you know? Uh, there's no set time. There's always uh, that time of year where you look at yourself and you say, this is the last year I'm never doing this again. I can't do it. Uh, that happens every single year. Um, it's, it is a challenge. It's a drain. I'm so blessed to not have to do this to pay my mortgage. Um, there, there's peaks and valleys all the time. Um, but I'll do it as long as I can physically do it. And, uh, it's not like it used to be, uh, when I started, I was a young guy, 26, 27 years old. Now I'm in my fifties. Everything's a little bit harder. Everything hurts. Everything's in pain, but I'll do it as long as I can. And as long as they'll have me, I mean, this is, it, it's not, it's, you know, it's still university football. I mean, if I start not being able to pull my weight, then they may make a change. And uh, so as long as they'll have me at U of M, I'll likely be there. Why do you think it's important that U Sports has an award to recognize the Volunteer Coach of the Year? Because there's so many of us that give so much. 
you really live in two worlds for those three months. There's that world you're in from eight to four. Um, and yeah, I still a few moments here and there during the course of the day to, to get ready for the daily practice. Um, but you you really have to show up and you have to be able after a long day where, you know, you've met some tight timelines at your at your main job, you have to be able to be passionate and you have to be authentic. You have to be able to deliver uh, when you show up at practice. And um, it's, it's a wonderful thing and it's a challenging thing. And I think it's super important to recognize that because the vast majority of staffs uh, in university football are made up of volunteers. Most schools will have two, three, four, uh, in some small cases, six. Uh, but your staffs are usually 14, 15 people that are pulling together to try to get this work done. So somewhere between 50 to 75% of the staff are volunteers. We wouldn't have the game we have or the quality of the game that we have without the volunteers. They bring on so much more than perhaps their technical uh, knowledge at the position that they may coach at. They help build relationships, sustain relationships. They help build and maintain the culture of the team. So these are all critical things that lead towards the success of any team. So I think it's critical that we acknowledge what they do. Um, like I said, we wouldn't have the quality of game without the volunteer coaches across this country. After the Bisons were eliminated by UBC, did you still keep track of what happened or were you too upset to see how far the Thunderbirds ended up going? Um, it's always mixed emotions. I always find myself pulling for the conference team a little bit, uh, even though they may have defeated us. Uh, we have a, a group chat of the offensive coaches, and we stayed pretty engaged. We didn't get together and watch the game like in a, in a pub or anything like that, but a lot of us tuned in, and we were sharing perspectives throughout the course of the game, and we stayed pretty tight. I'm, I'm pretty, uh, pretty fortunate to work with some really good people and, and fellow volunteers on the offensive staff. And uh, we formed on what I think or hope is a pretty good bond. And we stayed engaged and, and we shared our perspectives. I think generally we were supportive of UBC. Uh, I think you kind of had that mentality if, you know, we, we came pretty close to beating them and the further they go and, and the better they do, it kind of further validates where we are and what we were able to achieve this year. So maybe it's a little selfish in that way, but uh, no, I, uh, if, if we're not going to win, I, w I don't mind the West guys winning. Um, I'm not sure that makes sense because that helps them in recruiting and not us, but uh, that's just kind of the way it works, I guess. So now that the football season has ended, when does it start up again for you? Uh I have been working on next year already. Of course. So what we're doing is we have all of our stuff on film. So I'm, I'm kind of organizing our film into the different plays and we'll sit down with the, with our staff and we'll evaluate our plays. We'll take a look. What do we need to do better? Uh, we have a meeting tomorrow night actually, where we're all going to get together and talk about the exit interviews that we're going to have with the players. What should we, what should we talk about? Uh, what we want to what we want to achieve in the off season and just have some of those initial conversations as to, um, as to what we want to achieve. I mean, if you leave it, it becomes March so quickly. So you got to stay on top of these things because it's very easy just to lose track of time. And if you're not doing this from eight to four every day or whatever that time frame is, 
uh, the weeks and months can pass very quickly and then you're behind the eight ball. And that's the last place you want to be, especially on offense where we're all volunteers. Uh, we want to be able to, you know, try to keep up with those schools that have full-time people on defense. They're taking a look at us and saying, how do we stop Manitoba? So we have to be asking ourselves those questions. How do we continue to evolve and stay interesting and take advantage of what defenses are currently doing? So, yeah, we've started already. Well, good for you and good for you on, on winning this award. Much much deserved after quarter century with the Manitoba Bisons program. I wish you continued success. Vaughn, thanks for doing this tonight. It's my pleasure. Have a great day. Vaughn Mitchell, offensive coordinator for the Manitoba Bisons football team, volunteering with them since 1997. And he is the Volunteer Coach of the Year in U Sports football. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to